0: You are listening to Scripture Study Jams, a podcast scripture study companion. I'm Rachel Wilson, and today we'll be exploring the testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith and the brief explanation of the Book of Mormon. This episode will answer questions like what kind of angel was Moroni and what were his visits like? What did Moroni teach Joseph? Why did Joseph have to wait four years to receive the plates? Is Joseph's experience in line with the stories and doctrines contained in the scriptures? What is the Urim and Thummim? What's a seer stone? And are those the same thing? How were the plates protected after Joseph received them? And how did Mormon and Moroni compile the plates? To discover the answer to these questions, we'll start with Joseph's testimony. So let's dive in. In his testimony, Joseph describes that on September 21st, 1823, while he was praying, the resurrected Moroni appeared at his bedside. In his prayer, Joseph was humbly repenting and asking to know his standing before God, having full confidence in obtaining a divine manifestation as he had previously had one. Joseph was only 17 years old at the time. Oliver Cowdery reported that while Moroni was visiting, Joseph's mind was opened, and he saw marvelous manifestations about what he was learning. However, Moroni's visit was not a dream. Moroni came as a resurrected person of flesh and bones emerging from the eternal veil. There is a lot of scriptural evidence supporting the fact that God communicates with man through angels. For example, Abraham talked with angels. During the time of the prophet Isaiah, an angel helped fight an army. Daniel was saved from the lions by an angel. An angel told Mary she would be the Savior's mother and protected Joseph and Mary when their son was in danger from the king. Christ's tombstone was rolled away by an angel who talked to some women there. Peter was saved from prison by an angel. And finally, John the Revelator prophesied that in the latter days, an angel would fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. God's pattern is that he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. However, in the latter days, there were no prophets on the earth for the angel to visit. So God chose Joseph Smith to be the prophet of the restoration and sent the angel from the midst of heaven or Moroni to restore the everlasting gospel through Joseph. So it was a fulfillment of prophecy from John the Revelator. The purpose of the ministry of angels is to call men unto repentance by declaring the word of Christ unto the chosen vessels of the Lord, that they may bear testimony of him. And that is exactly what Moroni did for Joseph Smith. The scriptures teach us that there's only one reason God wouldn't communicate with man through angels, and it would be because of man's unbelief or state of apostasy. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, why wouldn't God interact with us the same way now that he did in the past? Through angels. In his testimony, Joseph describes Moroni's message that God had a work for him to do and that people of all nations, kindreds, and tongues would speak both good and evil of his name. It must have been surprising for the poor, uneducated farm boy from an ordinary family when an angel declared that the world would know his name. Has Moroni's promise come to pass? Well, a church that started out with only six members in a small village has become the fourth or fifth largest church in North America in the span of about 177 years. The church is found all throughout the world. General conferences are given in 92 languages. Throughout this time of expansion, Joseph's name has indeed been had for good and evil. Edwin Haroldson, a professor of communications at Brigham Young University, argued that although Joseph Smith's detractors have played the same themes over and over and will continue to do so, in recent years there have been some scholars who have attempted to more fairly weigh Joseph Smith and his work. For example, Yale Humanities professor Harold Bloom called Joseph an authentic religious genius. Theologian Heike Risenin, I probably butchered that so I'm sorry about that, insisted that other theologians take Joseph more seriously as he grappled with problems that have puzzled Christian theologians for generations. After living three months in an LDS community, sociologist Robert N. Bella wrote that the religious vision of a loving community is perhaps put into practice in some respects more closely by Mormons than most other communities in America. Raymond Dill Robertson, a researcher at Ball State University, reported that non-LDS writings have become more respectful of the prophet over time. Isn't it a miracle that a poor, unknown farm boy is so widely known and evaluated by people of all nations? Joseph continues describing Moroni's words about an ancient record of golden plates, a breastplate, and stones that had been deposited in a hill. The two stones bound together with a metal rim and their breastplate were called the Urim and Thummim a Hebrew term meaning lights and perfections. This phrase became an umbrella term that encompassed many revelatory aids, causing confusion for some people. Many don't know that multiple tools were used during the translation process. In addition to the Urim and Thummim, Joseph used a small oval seer stone he discovered in the ground years before. During the 1820s, many young men, Joseph included, were searching for lost objects and buried treasure, But when Joseph grew to understand his prophetic calling, he learned that he could use the stone for the higher purpose of translating scripture. Apparently, the two bound stones and the seer stone could be used interchangeably. Joseph's use of physical tools follows an ancient pattern. God has provided tools of light or revelation to prophets for centuries. Many prophets used other physical objects to access God's power, like the rod of Aaron, a brass serpent, holy anointing oils, The Ark of the Covenant and even dirt from the ground mixed with saliva to heal the eyes of a blind man. Some, like Joseph, used seer stones that were divinely illumined. The Urim and Thummim in particular is mentioned in connection with the prophets Aaron, Saul, and Abraham. The exact Urim and Thummim Joseph received was actually from the brother of Jared. The Lord said to the brother of Jared that he should write the revelations he received in a language that cannot be read and seal up two stones given to him by the Lord. In due time, the stones would magnify to the eyes of men the encrypted revelation. As a fulfillment of prophecy, God chose Joseph as a prophet and provided the Urim and Thummim to help him translate the plates. In his testimony, Joseph explained that Moroni instructed him not to show anyone the plates or tools unless he was commanded to do so. Joseph saw a vision of where the plates were deposited. Moroni visited him three times that night and taught Joseph important truths. Moroni also warned Joseph that Satan would tempt him to get the plates to help his family financially. And so in order to get the plates, Joseph needed to have no other object in view but to glorify God and build his kingdom. In last week's episode, we talked about some of the witnesses who had the opportunity to see the plates and tools. So refer to that episode or blog post if you want to know more about that. Joseph later told Oliver Cowdery that on his two to three mile walk to get the plates it seemed as though two invisible powers were influencing or striving to influence his mind. One pulled him to do as commanded and the other to use the record to obtain wealth and fame. These pulls occupied his mind until he arrived at the place where the record was found. That would be a hard battle for sure. Joseph describes that his experience with Moroni left him exhausted. He ended up passing out while doing his daily tasks. He woke up to Moroni telling him to go to his father and tell him of the vision and commandments he had received. His father heard Joseph's story and told him to do as God commanded. Joseph went to the place he saw in the vision, saw the stone box containing the plates and revelatory tools, but was not permitted to take the plates yet. The golden plates were buried in a stone box about three miles from the Smith family farm in the hill Cumorah. Interestingly, the custom of burying metal records in stone boxes was practiced by many ancient nations. King Darius, the guy who put Daniel in the lion's den, buried gold and silver records in stone boxes. Now, ancient records have been discovered in Korea, Sri Lanka, Assyria, Persia, India, Bangkok, Italy, Greece, Palestine, and other places. The discoveries were engraved on silver, brass, copper, lead, and even tin. Joseph's experience is supported by ancient customs and modern discoveries. So, for the next four years, on the same day of every year, Moroni continued to instruct Joseph at this particular hill. Joseph's accounts of his four years of experiences give us some insight into God's work, nature, and process. The first time Joseph approached the plates, he tried three times to retrieve them, but only felt a strong shock each time. Deprived of strength, he cried, "'Why can I not obtain this book?' The answer was, because you have not kept the commandments of the Lord. After he humbled himself according to Oliver's account, Moroni showed him the prince of darkness, surrounded by his innumerable train of associates, to teach him about the nature of good and evil. Moroni showed him the difference between the glory of God and the power of darkness, so he could use discernment to avoid being influenced or overcome by that wicked one. Moroni told Joseph to return to the hill one year later to receive further instruction. On September 22nd, 1824, Joseph visited the hill and tried to obtain the plates again. According to his mom's account, Joseph had been commanded not to lay the plates down or put them for a moment out of his hands until he got into the house and deposited them in a chest or trunk having a good lock and key. Forgetting his instructions and purpose, Joseph took the plates and placed them on the ground in an effort to secure some fancied or imaginary treasure that remained in the box. The plates disappeared and Joseph was humbled. Moroni reassured Joseph that the plates were in the box before he left again without them. Walking home, weeping for grief and disappointment, he felt afraid that his family wouldn't believe his story anymore. Instead, his family prayed more fervently that Joseph could better prepare to obtain the plates and be protected from deception and temptation. During these four years, Joseph's mom describes hearing his stories of the descendants of Lehi, their dress, mode of traveling, their cities, their buildings. In addition to providing information about the Book of Mormon, Moroni was also preparing Joseph to be the prophet of the Restoration. All in all, Joseph was visited by Moroni at least 22 times. Due to his heavenly education, Joseph remarked, Could you gaze into heaven five minutes, you would know more than you would by reading all that ever was written on the subject. Pretty amazing stuff. On September twenty-second, 1827, Joseph received the plates with the charge to protect them until Moroni called for them. Many people persecuted Joseph and tried to steal the plates at this time. After retrieving the plates, Joseph immediately hid them in a hole he had cut in a hollow birch log nearby. Later, he took the plates out of the log, wrapped them in a linen frock, tucked them under his arm, and started walking home off the path through the woods. His mother reports that Joseph had to run home due to being attacked three times along his way, Joseph eventually was able to lock up their record in a storage chest. The problems did not stop there. People offered Joseph and his family money and property and persecuted and abused them for refusing. One day, Joseph received a prompting prompting that a mob would be coming that night, and he promptly transferred the plates to a secret hiding place in the hearth. A mob came, but Joseph and his family used smart tactics to scare them off, and they fled away into the woods. Joseph had other similar experiences accompanied by shots and threats, but was always warned, so the plates remained protected in a variety of hiding places. For this reason, Joseph and Emma moved to Harmony, Pennsylvania, where Emma's parents lived. There, Joseph completed the work and gave the plates to Moroni when he called for them. Overall, Joseph had the plates for about 21 months before he returned them to Moroni when the work of translation was finished. Joseph describes that the ancient record was brought forth from the earth as the voice of a people speaking from the dust and translated into modern speech by the gift and power of God. The Book of Mormon was a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that an ancient record would come out of the ground in the form of a book in the latter days. This book would be given to an uneducated man and published to the world by the power of God and would become a marvelous work and a wonder. Joseph, with his little education, did indeed translate and publish the work by the power of God and the Book of Mormon has been changing lives ever since. So there you have it, the testimony of Joseph Smith. We've already learned a lot together, and now we're going to transition to a brief explanation about the Book of Mormon. So I want you to imagine hundreds of years of history written and compiled through generations of people, starting with Lehi's family. You can kind of think of this, it's a little oversimplified, but think of this like journals written and passed down. Then one of those journal writers, Mormon, was asked by God to sort through all of the journal entries of generations and write a shorter, more revised account. Mormon began the difficult task and eventually passed the plates on to his son Moroni, who finished them and followed God's instructions to bury them in the ground. A brief explanation about the Book of Mormon describes the sources Mormon and Moroni used to create the revised account. Understanding the sources and organization of the stories will help us better understand the stories themselves. So first, the books 1st Nephi to Omni are from the small plates of Nephi. The small plates of Nephi were originally devoted to spiritual matters and the ministry and teachings of the prophets. Next, the words of Mormon is an insert written by Mormon to connect the words engraved on the small plates with the abridgment of the large plates. Next, Mosiah through Mormon, chapter 7, is Mormon's abridgment of the large plates of Nephi. Originally, the large plates were mostly a secular history until the time of Mosiah, when the plates started including more items of major spiritual importance. Mormon, chapter 8, to the very end of the book, was engraved by Moroni, who, after finishing the record of his father's life, made an abridgment of the plates of Ether, or the history of the Jaredites. This became the Book of Ether. He also added the parts known as the Book of Moroni. There are also quotes throughout the Book of Mormon from the plates of brass, the record Lehi brought from Jerusalem in 600 BC. The quotes from Isaiah and other biblical and non-biblical prophets were contained in these plates. Around 421 AD, Moroni, as the last of the Nephite prophet historians, hid the finished record, and about 1400 years later, in 1823 AD, Moroni, now a resurrected being, delivered the plates to Joseph Smith, the man called by God to translate them and bring about the restoration of Christ's church. So putting together the testimony of Joseph Smith and the work of Mormon and Moroni reveals two essential characteristics of a true disciple of Jesus Christ, faith and hope. Mormon needed faith to organize and summarize generations of writings. Moroni needed faith to complete his father's work, even though he felt so alone as the last prophet historian and he must have had hope that God would bring forth the work in the future, and that there would be someone on earth who would have enough faith to participate in God's work despite incredible amounts of opposition. Similarly, Joseph needed faith to pray and receive such a glorious answer from God. He needed faith and hope to prepare to receive the plates despite his own imperfections. He needed hope and the promises contained in the Book of Mormon to know his sacrifice was really worth it. So for this week's challenge, I want to invite you to act in faith and hope. If you are struggling to pray, read your scriptures, actively participate at church, or even hope for something you can't see right now, make that your goal. Let these men's lives inspire you to better live your faith this week. I will be doing the same thing. If you want to read about my experiences with this challenge this week or share some of your own, feel free to visit my website, scripturestudy.wixsite.com slash jams. Thanks for taking the time to Scripture Study Jam with me. And next week, we will be diving into 1 Nephi's. We're getting into the chapters, the meat of all this. I'm so excited. Until next time.